Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you, and peace be multiplied. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. You ready? I've got two verses I need to cover, and I don't know if I'll get it done today, but we're going to try real hard. Okay? The first verse, this is one of those elevator things. It keeps going up and down. Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Anybody here remember how Peter met Jesus? Yeah, but what was going on? They were fishing. And there, there they were. They came to shore. And Peter, being uh, he's married, probably has a family. We know he has a family. And... And he doesn't, um, he, didn't get his, he didn't catch any fish. Do you ever go out to do something and was unsuccessful at it? I failed many a test in my life. How about you? How about a basketball game? You ever play a game and you tried and practiced and tried to understand the way their defense was and their offense moved and you went and did everything you knew and were taught, and you failed. How about bake a cake? Did you ever try and bake a cake, and you, you did everything just the way that you saw on YouTube and Pinterest or wherever they find those things? And it tastes awful. <laughs> or a recipe. Or work on a car. That's the life of Peter. Peter had been out all night. Peter had been a fisherman ever since his father put him in a boat and taught him how to pull in a net. And he knew the sea. He knew about fishing. He knew about what it was that he needed to do to catch a catch. And when he came in and he said to Jesus, I can't catch. There's nothing out there. They're not running, as they might say. And he was urged, and he went out. And he caught so many fish, it's almost sunk his boat. They had to get another boat. Jars of jam. And in your mind, the devil was saying, there's nobody out there who wants to hear the gospel. Don't that sound like Peter? Doesn't it? It sounds like Peter. But Peter did it anyhow. And when he was obedient to Jesus Christ, that he did not know nor understand at that time, guess what? He was successful. He 
he was giving God the glory. You, you with me? Later on, Peter watched Jesus heal people from illnesses that nobody ever knew you could be healed from. What is it when you it eats your flesh away? Leprosy. He saw people healed from leprosy. Peter saw that. He was in a temple, a, a, a synagogue, excuse me, and he saw somebody that was there when Jesus began to talk. He manifested in the spirit, and, and Jesus spoke, and they left. One place it said it, it was torn. It was torn out of him. The demon was torn. That means that the demon had such a strong hold in the person that the person wasn't sure he wanted to let him go, and it was torn out of him. It didn't break his skin or anything. It just was an emotional thing, powerful thing. He saw that. Peter saw him raise people from the dead. Have you ever been to a funeral and saw somebody that was dead? Did you ever touch them? They don't even feel like they're alive. It's like clay. It's like you're touching clay. Somebody says, I can't touch the dead. Well, don't. But you know they're dead. No amount of love, no amount of compassion, no matter how, how you felt towards that person, it didn't change it. They were still dead. And he saw Jesus raise people from the dead. He saw him cast out about 10,000, 2,000, excuse me, demons into pigs and they went into the ocean and they died. That's what Peter saw. Peter saw that. He experienced it. He listened to Jesus teach. Did you know that? He listened to him teach. He heard things from Jesus Christ, because he listened, and this is important. If you don't listen, you won't be affected by the truth. How do I know? I've been in class a lot in my life, and there were times I didn't listen, and I failed a test. It didn't change me. But when I listened, the tests were easy. Peter, Peter understands that. And then he, he passed a test from God. God said, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not told you that. But the spirit of God has told you that. 
And then that faithful day, that faithful day, there are other things that, that were said. There were one time Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He was talking to Peter. Get, because the devil can influence our flesh so much, it will cause us not to know what the truth is, and we will function out of a lie and not the truth. Peter knew what that was like. And then on that faithful day, when Jesus was before the Sanhedrin and before Herod, he was standing around a fire, and people said, here, he's one of them. He said, no. I am not. Not just once, three times. Peter, who had saw him walk on water and cat, told him, come out of the boat. And Peter walked on water with Jesus. Just Jesus that he saw. And three times he said, no, I don't know him. That's what he said. And then they saw him on the, tr the cross. And Peter somehow understood that he was being punished for his sins. And he saw him in his grief. And then, and then the Peter that we're talking about grieved over Jesus' death. And on the third day, he saw the empty grave. And then he saw Jesus. This man with this history and his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who came in the flesh, is writing this epistle. He's writing this letter to him. I'd listen to him. I would now. I don't know about you. It says he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people... I, if you go on the internet or YouTube or whatever those social medias are, there are so many new apostles... I, I don't I don't know who apostolized them. I don't know who did that, but they're apostles. One of the criteria and and if they can say this and give me any proof, then I'll agree with them. But one of the one of the most difficult decisions or way that you know that you're apostle is that you saw Jesus in a person. Not you, you saw his bodily. Paul did on the Damascus Road. That was after the resurrection of Jesus. So it's possible that you could see Jesus bodily. But there are many other things. So, so there is no mistake. Peter is one of the 12 disciples which were called apostles. With Paul being born out of time. So when God uses Peter and he starts using words like elect and foreknowledge, 
Is it possible that there are a meaning to those words that we've misunderstood? <laughs> I think so. We, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think God has told me, and you can ask God if I'm right or not. Is that fair enough? Good. God's elect. This letter is written to God's elect. I believe it's like the good housekeeping seal of approval. Remember, who knows what the good housekeeping... Used to be when they put it on stuff, ladies would look at it and they'd say, well, this has been tested and approved and it should be a good product. It's trustworthy. So this is trustworthy. Okay? The word elect here means that you have the good housekeeping seal of God. What is it? The Holy Spirit. That's how you are the elect. That means you're a cut above all other human beings because they're dead and you're alive. So the truth of God dwells within you and that truth makes you a child of God. So that's why you're the elect. Now he's writing specifically to people who are exiled. They may they may they were people who were born and raised for generations for generations in a region or city or a locale in Israel. And somebody came in and conquered them and took them as slaves to another place. Very much like our, our black brothers and sisters were raised for generations in Africa, in their own communities, their own farmland, their own place where they were, were raised. And somebody sold them into slavery and they were exiled to America. And they came here and when they were here, they were put in chains. And this is not a political rally. This is a spiritual truth. They were put in chains and they were abused. They were used. They were worked to death because they were considered less than normal, which was a lie. The same thing happened to the Jewish people. That's what that word exiled means. And so, so he's writing to these, these areas here. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia, and whatever he, Peter read that last one. <laughs> Bithian, or what something. Who are the elect, the chosen? With the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, what does foreknowledge mean? That means that there was a plan of God. And God's plan was this, that he was going to send his son, he was going to send his son, and his son was going to die on a cross 
with the sin of the world. And when this son came and died on the cross and was buried on the third day rose, he brought with him eternal life. And God knew beforehand when by their will and faith in this Jesus that they would be cleansed from their sin and brought into eternal life. He knew that was going to happen. There was no question in his mind. That's what that's talking about. The, the knowledge of the activity and power and authority of the resurrected Jesus Christ in the life of a human being that was once dead and is now alive. That's where the prodigal son story comes in. Look, my son was dead. Now he is alive. Now I want to stop here and want to talk about a couple of things. Did you know that God loves you the way you are right this moment? Did you know that? He loves I don't care how mature you've grown to be. He loves you the way you are right this moment. You know, there, there's a lot of teaching that goes on in Christianity today, which in, in the surface it's really healthy, okay? But the problem with it is, is that it always gives you the feeling or the sense that God's really not happy with you because you're not where you think this preacher seems to think you need to be. There's a lot of teaching like that out there. And I'm telling you right now that God loves you with his full measure and extent of his love that he expressed in Christ in his death on the cross. Did you hear that? Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you are saying to yourself, well, I wish I was this, or I wish I was shorter, I wish I was taller, I wish I was fatter, I wish I was thinner, I wish I had more beauty, my hair was not gray, I wish this, I wish I could speak better, I wish I could run faster, I wish I was a better cook, that's all lies from hell. Because God loves you just whether you're physically healthy or not. See, there's even teaching that teaches people that if you're not living, I love this word, if you're not living in divine health, haven't you heard that word before? Something wrong with you. And so we live in a, a relationship with Jesus that has been deteriorated because of the negative understanding of the power and authority of Christ in our life. You don't have to be a soul winner to be loved by Jesus today. Did you know that? 
You didn't have to be, you don't have to be a prayer warrior to be loved by Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Isn't that neat? You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a social activist to be loved by God. You need to live. Yeah. I like, yeah. Was that your son? I love him. God bless him. So, so we just need to live in that love for Christ. Unconditional, everlasting, forever agape love for you. He's not disappointed if your growth is not as good as it needs. He's not disappointed if you fall. Who knows this? Peter! Peter knows this. He became the head of the, the, the church in Jerusalem, and after a while they got mad at him because he had some weaknesses, and, and his brother James took over, and, he, was, and it was, he got an argument with him and Paul, had a debate, and all this was going on, and God still loved Peter the same as the first day he loved him. So he's writing this letter to all of the people who love Jesus Christ, who are Jewish, and it's to the Jewish exiled people who are being persecuted. And that's why this letter is pertinent to us, because Christians are being persecuted more and more in the world, not just in America. In a world. And we need to know how to engage in our relationship with that love that he has for us so that we can be sustained in the middle of it. We're going to learn how to forgive somebody that hates you. Do you hear that? We're going to learn how to live in peace when our life is full can be should be a full of turmoil. Okay? In this small epistle. Look at it. Chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. That's it. I don't think it was chapter four. Yep, that's it. Just three chapters. He's going to, he's going to expose all that time. Now, he uses another fancy word, sanctifying. Have you ever been in the process of being sanctified? What did it feel like? Oh, did you know all of you are in the process of being sanctified and many of you don't even know it? Why? Because the Spirit of God does not stand still in his love for us. When he comes and lives inside of us, and we ask God to be the Lord of our life every day, the Holy Spirit slowly and surely and methodically in only the way that he knows you can handle personally, 
he begins to sanctify you. That means set you aside so that you can become like Jesus. You and I are becoming like Jesus. You know that? You and me. But you look different than I do. You act different than I do. Probably a lot better than I do. <laughs> but you're being sanctified. You, you see what I'm saying? This sanctification does not depend upon you. Sanctification depends upon Jesus Christ and his truth and his spirit. And, and we are taught constantly to wonder whether or not we are doing the right thing so that we can become the right person that God wants us to be. Oh, are we involved? Sure, he's constantly working with our will in ways that we don't. Remember, God does not work because of us. He doesn't. He works because of him. Working inside of you. Wow. So look at it. There's people, look, everybody's, Everybody's being sanctified. How many people feel like they're sanctified? I don't. How about you? Maybe you do. Maybe you're in a season where you feel the sanctifying power of God. Maybe you don't. Maybe you never have felt it. Big hairy deal. It's still happening. <laughs> Why? That is God's way for you to understand that he will transform the people who love him into his image. Wow. Wow. So what if you don't look like Caleb and I? <laughs> who said that's good? That's funny. <laughs> My wife has an unusual sense of humor. She does. Yes. <laughs> That's the point, Patrick. I'm glad you understand that. Now, now listen, listen to sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient. See, the issue is we're set aside to what? To be obedient to Jesus Christ. That means to be like, to be like Christ. There, there, I know people that when I first met them, uh, that they w said, I will never, ever share the gospel. They're Christians. I'll never do it. I just can't. It's not in. And I know them that they grew enough slowly and surely. It's a sometimes a lifelong process, to where they are burdened for their family and their friends and they share the gospel. And they feel comfortable with it. But that's between you and God. That doesn't mean you have to measure up that to that today. That means you're in a sanctifying process and then one day God will get you to the point that he will get you to where you 
can do that. If that's what he calls you to do. He may cause you just to love your children the way Christ wants you to. And your grandchildren. See, there is so much diversity in being a Jesus uh, lover that there are many things God's sanctifying you to become. Yep. To become like Jesus Christ, in obedience of Jesus Christ. I love it. It's sprinkled with his blood. What, what's Peter talking about? He's talking to Jewish people here. Those people over in Israel that is at war right now understands what I'm going to say to you. The sprinkling of the blood has to do with the Day of Atonement. And it has to do with they took the lamb and they sacrificed it the way the law said. And they took the blood and they sprinkled it on the bema seat where the little angels, the golden angels were like this, the seraphim. And they sprinkled it on it and it covered their sin. And Jesus remembered it no more. So when we are... When we give our life to Christ, not only is death cleansed from us, but the Spirit of God through the sprinkling of the spiritual blood of Christ that we shed on the cross cleanses us so that we can live in the peace of God. That's why he says the next statement, grace and peace, not the next, next sentence, be yours in abundance. Wow, I love it. So, you're the elect. And all over this county and all over this state, there are millions of elect that are being sanctified by Jesus Christ. To become what he wants them to become and not what I want. Not what a doctor wants me them to be, but what he, Jesus. Don't you want to be what Jesus wants you to be? I'd like to be what Jesus wants me to be. To be like Christ. Well, Caleb, do you did, did your band leave or can they come up here with you? Come on. Are you getting older or is your band getting younger? Both. Let's pray. Let's stand. I tell you to sing the song on the screen, but there's no screen here. Father God, in Jesus' holy name, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name that these elect that has been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb will understand that they are being every day, no matter how they feel about themselves, 
no matter the lies they listen to, you are in them, bringing them to the conformity of Jesus Christ. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you for that. And I pray from from God's heart that you will give them the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ that is abundant, abundant. In Jesus' name, amen.